Bob's Red Mill, believes in baking, breakfast, and the pursuit of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. My name is Hannah Forden. I'm the membership coordinator at Heritage Radio Network, but even before I joined the team, I loved listening to HRN during my subway commute. It made the time go quickly and left me feeling inspired for the day ahead. HRN listeners tune in from all over the world, but there are a few traits that we all have in common, no matter where we listen from. A curious palate, the fierceness to make a difference, and a hunger for lifelong learning about the culinary world. As you know, Heritage Radio Network is a listener-supported nonprofit. To deliver the most ambitious, entertaining, and of-the-moment stories in 2018, we need your help. We need to raise $150,000 by December 31st to accomplish these goals and to keep your favorite shows on the air. Together, we can make this HRN's most exciting, impactful, and delicious year yet. Become a member by donating today. Join us at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, and you'll immediately start enjoying benefits such as VIP invitations to HRN events, where you will mix and mingle with your favorite hosts. Memberships also make a perfect holiday gift for all the foodies in your life. This year, why not give the gift of food radio? You'll hear your generosity in action for the year to come. Help keep our lights on and our mics hot by pledging your support today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for listening. and welcome to Foment About It it on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Rachel Jacobs. And I'm Mary Izette. And we're your hosts through this weekly journey through all things fermented. Archived here on heritageradionetwork.org as well as wherever you find your favorite podcasts. That's right. It's November 20th. This is episode 223. Uh, and Chris is hard at work at the brewery. Uh, So... (laughs) Yes, he's stuck. I think he's stuck kegging, actually. (laughs) But everything's going well. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. Uh, And speaking of the brewery, it looks like we're expecting someone there soon. Yes. So we have a a couple cool events coming up in New York City. Um, Yeah, let's start from the furthest most and we'll we'll go backwards. Uh, So John Palmer, esteemed author, he's written some excellent books, is coming to the New York metropolitan area. His first stop is going to be Bitter and Esther's homebrew shop in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn on December 6th. He'll be there from 6.30 to 9. You will also have an opportunity to catch him Thursday, December 7th at Homebrew Emporium in New Rochelle, then at Fifth Hammer Brewing in Long Island City on Friday, December 8th, and then at Homebrew and Hand Grenades on Long Island on Saturday, December 9th. So if you are a fan of John Palmer, I've read some of his books, and in the New York metropolitan area, please be sure to check out one of some of those events. There is actually a Facebook um, event that Bitter and Esther's put up. So if you go to their Facebook page, you can find out all the information for all of these events. That's right. And there's also a whole list of, of John Palmer stuff on Bitter and Esther's website. That's bitterandesters.com. Um, going backwards. Um, if you guys uh, are interested, 
Heritage is having their winter fundraiser. So it's Winter in the Garden, the Heritage Radio Network holiday party and tasting. It's going to be an amazing party at Brooklyn Botanic Gardens, uh, December 4th, 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. Um, so it's going to have uh, our hosts, our members, and all sorts of cool things going on. There's going to be food. There's going to be drinks. Uh, some of it's going to be by Fifth Hammer. It's going to be in the Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe. Uh, so if you guys are interested in that, um, you guys should go to heritageradionetwork.org or check out eventbrite.com, Winter in the Garden. And there are some killer chefs that are going to be that are going to be serving up food. And like Rachel said, we are going to Fifth Hammer is going to be pouring our beer as well as some great uh, mixologist cocktails, cider, all kinds of good stuff going on. So please help support Heritage Radio Network as well as have a good time with some tasty bites. That's right. You can't you can uh, eat good and also do good at the same time. And then last but not least, going backwards, Juicy Brews is a newer beer festival in New York City. It is going to be Sunday, December 3rd. I'm counting down. My birthday is next week, so I can count down the days or count up the days from that. Anyway, uh, so it's actually three sessions. It's in South Williamsburg. It's actually on the same block as our apartment, oddly enough. It's It's a cool new event space that I haven't been to, but I've been wanting to check it out. Fifth Hammer will also be pouring there. Anyway, as I said, there's three sessions. It's a great lineup. There's a lot of out of town breweries that have, I've heard great things about. Um, that we actually don't normally get in New York City. Oh, so it's yeah, a really good opportunity to taste some really awesome beers that you that you normally would have to travel a far way for. I don't know what most of these are. I know. It's pretty it's a pretty good list. So check that out there. Um, you can check out the Facebook or, you know, just Google Juicy Brews NYC and that will take you. I know the second session is almost sold out. Um, so get your tickets now if you want to do that. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's at uh, Industria, which is in Williamsburg. Is that a new space? Yeah, so it used to be, it's on our block, so it used to be like some kind of warehouse trucking distribution thing, I think, and then they turned it into event space in the last year. That sounds about right. Yep. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, Speaking of Juicy Brews, although that doesn't really speak of Juicy Brews, uh, today we're going to be uh, talking about a a spirit I always wanted to talk about. There is so much to unpack here. Um, We're going to be talking about absinthe uh, with uh, Kevin Harrison, from Doc Herson's Absinthe, which is one of, I think it's the only absinthe distiller in New York City. I think it's one of two in New York State. Is that right? Uh, we are the second one in the state of New York, but mm-hmm. the first in the city. Uh, and there's a couple others popping up upstate. But uh, as far as New York City goes, we are the only absinthe distillery here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> These are, bottles are awesome, by I the way. I have, I've only, I haven't actually seen them in person because I, I haven't drank any spirits in a long time. But... I've seen them on your website, but they're these bottles are awesome. And Thank there's you. There's three different colors. Yeah. So yeah, these gorgeous little um, Victorian-esque medicinal bottles, I think, uh, kind of uh, being uh, going in with a the theme of the of the time of, of absinthe. Uh, so, but let's let's start with that. So, um, first of all, what is your story with absinthe? Um, when did you get started with absinthe? And uh, yeah, what who are you? And what is your history with with spirits? Well, uh, the way this company started was my wife and I were living in Harlem and we had the bottom floor of a brownstone um, and we had the entire basement to ourselves. And uh, my day job ended around three o'clock. My wife, we also own a vintage clothing store, 9th Street in the East Village. Um, and she would only be home around eight, nine o'clock at, o'clock at night and I was home at three, so I needed a hobby. 
So I turned the basement in Harlem into a full-functioning distillery. We were making a variety of uh, different spirits, and then I said on a whim, let's make some absinthe, because uh, we really do enjoy absinthe. And we came up with our green absinthe, uh, which is the most traditional, and we tweaked the recipe, and over time, people started enjoying it, and then we developed the brand, and we said, wow, this, this could be something. So we went ahead and filed for all the licensing, and a couple years later, we were a full-functioning distillery, and we moved our operation to Brooklyn. Oh, my God. Wait, I have a couple of questions about, about that <laughs> story. Away. So Yeah. So, first of all, you just decided to make absinthe as though it like, is the most normal thing in the world. So, how did you get into absinthe? How did you, get, you and your wife get into absinthe? Uh, it was actually a friend of mine in California when we were both living in California. We, he was really into absinthe, another great Northern California brand, uh, St. George. And we just enjoyed drinking it, and we enjoyed the, you know, the buzz. Every, every spirit makes you, uh, it gives you a different buzz, whether it's wine or scotch or, or, or beer or tequila. Um, and we just kind of enjoyed the way absinthe, you know, the way we felt with absinthe. So then we said, you know, a couple of years later, we, uh, we were doing the uh, distillery in the basement, and we said, all right, well, let's just play our hand at some absinthe. And... <laughs> It was, it was just out of the blue. It was nothing was planned or anything, so it was pretty, you know. Cool. Which is way cool things start, I think. How did you learn to distill? Did you were you self taught? I love that you can say now that you had a distillery in your basement before you had a license. (laughs) (laughs) We actually had uh, another publication, The Village Voice, actually came out and they did a whole three minute little documentary clip of our underground operation in the basement in Harlem. So if anyone's (laughs) interested, just go to Village Voice and Absinthe, Harlem, and that video will click up and uh, you'll get to see the whole underground operation. Awesome. Oh my goodness. So how did you learn to distill? Did you Were you self-taught? or Self-taught. I do have all my undergrad studies. Is I have a lot of chemistry and biochemistry, and distilling is basically chemistry and cooking, essentially. So You probably I, did distilling. In, I know I did distilling yes, in chemistry absolutely. as an undergrad. So yeah. Of course, yeah. Absolutely. So I knew I knew how to distill. I just didn't know how to make something that actually tasted good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a big difference. Um, so we just basically bought the equipment, and I was reading a ton of books and a lot of info online, and and basically self-taught. Cool. Oh wow. So let's. I guess we'll back up a little bit uh, to what absinthe is. Like, there's a lot of buzz around it lately. Um, the last like five, six years or so. Um, so what is absinthe as a spirit? And what is the difference between absinthe and something? I don't know. What There's the nothing part? similar, actually. Yeah. Uh, no, the process of making absinthe is kind of similar to gin. Uh, you use different okay. uh, stills. Um, absinthe, essentially, is a very high-proof spirit, usually in the high 60% range, so 132, that's ours. And traditional French absinthe is around 136 proof, uh, so 68%. Um, and it has, it's required to contain fennel, anise, and grand wormwood. And the grand wormwood was the controversial ingredient, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to in a bit. Oh, yeah. so. And those are by the, just the definition of absinthe? Is that a law in France? A law? Uh, on the French side, in the European world, yes. But on the American side, um, there is no actual definition or class called absinthe. So essentially, you're making a spirit, whether it's distilled from sugars or grains or whatever it may be, and it's a grain spirit then with herbs. Okay. Or that's the classification, okay. essentially, in the U.S. 
Cool. And where do you add the herbs in the process of making it? There's two different stages where I add the herbs. So um, the first we ferment everything. We take malted barley, malted spelt, out different grains and a little sugar, yeast, New York tap water. Um, we figure if it's good enough for the bagels and the pizza, well, <laughs> why not absinthe, right? Um, and we'll ferment that from scratch. Uh, we'll take that, run it through one stripping still, and we get a raw alcohol. And then we'll take that raw alcohol and we'll throw it in a pot still, a kettle, and we'll add all the herbs and we'll boil all the herbs together and then purify and clean the spirit up. Once it's collected off and we get to the right proof, um, we then go ahead and set a second set of herbs into the uh, finished spirit, let that sit for a while, then we strain it off, and then it's ready to bottle once it settles. So it's infused after it's... Dis, this double distillation process. Because gin is more like a gin's not infused. It's like the first dis, the first and second distillation. Well, or, it, I guess it can depend. But well, gin, you can take uh, if you're making gin, you can take all your herbs and put it in the kettle like we do with our absinthe. Mm-hmm. So you're actually boiling all those herbs and uh, harnessing those essential oils in the spirit, and it comes off with flavor. Or you can even put in uh, what's called a gin basket, and that's okay. a certain. In the column, there is a, a container or a basket, essentially, and you put all your botanicals in there and your different herbs, and the vapors actually harness some of the flavors and, and the aromas from uh, the gin basket and all the different herbs. Okay, cool. Or there was bathtub gin where they just took booze and <laughs> they threw herbs in it and <laughs> put it in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, that works too. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so going back to the con- yeah let's go let's talk about the controversy. There's a lot to unpack about absinthe. There's a lot of um, misconceptions about absinthe makes you hallucinate, um, and it was like banned in America for a while. And then there's a lot of the there's some idea that like the version that we have here is like not it's like a dis- it's like a watered down version. Uh, what how much of that is true, and what exactly is? is the, the, the truth behind that. The and absinthe was banned in the U.S. from 1912 to 2007. So it's quite recent, only 10 years ago about. So obviously that ban that laid in place for such a long time, everybody, it's almost 100 years, like a lot of people heard that story and a lot of people believe it. That was set forth by the French wine industry in the mid to late 1800s. Absinthe Never, ever, old versions, new versions, anything. Absinthe never, ever made anyone hallucinate. Uh, It's a complete myth. It's a French wine industry industry smear campaign, essentially like reefer madness or, you know, it's just (laughs) dirty, nasty politics. There's plenty of that around today, and there was plenty of it around back then. Um, Essentially what happened, the short end of it, and you can always check online, uh, the French wine industry in the mid-1800s got hit with phylloxera, which eats away at the roots of the vines and it destroyed a lot of the the good vines so they didn't have as much grapes to make wine. Wine became uh, very expensive because there was not much of it around. You had a lot of the French uh, soldiers over in the Middle East fighting uh, wars and they were taking absinthe with them because it was originally developed in the late 1700s as a malaria prevention. So they would take their little flask of absinthe along with them to the war They believed that if you drank contaminated water, you would then come down with malaria. So they took the water from the streams, they poured a little absinthe in it to decontaminate the water, threw some sugar cubes in there to sweeten it up, 
because wormwood can be tremendously bitter. And they were drinking that, and they felt awesome. So when they came back to France, everyone was drinking absinthe. And then all these different uh, mixology of the time, uh, bars started opening up, and absinthe was the cool thing to do. And the French wine industry got pissed, of course, because when they got back on their feet from importing vines from California to graft onto the roots of the vines in France, people were drinking absinthe and not France. So the French wine industry actually hired doctors and scientists and all these groups of people to create these BS uh, uh, articles and there wasn't peer-reviewed at the time but it was all a bunch of BS and they put these crazy ad cam- campaigns oh out God. and next thing you know like the whole world is like oh my god holy shit if you, if you drink absinthe you're going to chop off your ear you're going to go nuts you're going to murder somebody so it was just a big scam absinthe became illegal and the French wine industry boomed oh <laughs> and on that note, that unfortunate note, we have to take a break, but we will be right back and find out about the red, white, and green absinthe. I don't think there's anybody worthy to run this company, but the people who built it. I have employees who've been with me for more than 30 years, and plus... Each and every one of them deserves to be an owner. That's just the way it ought to be, and that's just the way it is. This is Bob Moore. He and his wife, Charlie, started Bob's Red Mill almost four decades ago. Today, they offer one of the largest lines of organic whole grain foods in the country. And in 2010, on his 81st birthday, Bob gifted ownership of the company to his employees. I'd received plenty of offers to buy my company over the years. But selling out never felt like the right thing to do. When the time comes to let someone else run this show, I can't imagine selling it to a stranger. Giving the company to my hardworking employees just feels right. The company now has an Employee Stock Ownership Plan, or ESOP. Stock is put in a retirement plan for all of its employees. When employees retire, the company buys back their shares. According to the National Center for Employee Ownership, about 11,000 companies in the U.S. currently run as ESOPs. It just shows how much faith and trust Bob has in us. That's Bo Thomas, the company's engineer and maintenance superintendent. He's been with Bob's Red Mill for over 27 years and has put his four children through college in the process. For all of us, it's, it's more than just a job. And, and obviously, it's the same way for Bob, too. Bob is still very active in the company. He's the president and CEO, and you'll find him working at the mill just about every day. Because when you love something this much, you want to be a part of it. Well, I may have given them the company, but the boss part is still mine. Bob's Red Mill is committed to sharing only the freshest, best-tasting whole grain foods on the planet. Learn more about their mission of good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. All right, we're back with Kevin from Doc Herson's. At the break, I ran out and I got some cups and some ice, so we're going to try this. Beautiful. Um, all right, so you have, so traditionally, absinthe. I've only had absinthe a couple of times, but I've enjoyed it. Um, but it's usually green. So what's, you have a green, a white, and a red. That is correct. The green is the one most everybody knows. That's the most famous. That was the green fairy. That was part of that BS ad campaign <laughs> that we put through that the French wine industry 
Yeah, just twist. In that movie. Put some it's got elbow a, grease a into it. Very nice wax top. Thank you. Um, so the green is what everybody knows. Um, that's the most traditional, and that green color comes from chlorophyll that is in plants for mm-hmm. the second infu- uh, maceration of the herbs. The red absinthe, they call it a Spanish style, and it came around uh, around the 1900s, and it was actually, I believe it was Pernod. The history on it is kind of muddled, um, but they were advertising Rosanette Rosé, and it had this beautiful lady in the picture and holding this red glass of absinthe. Um, and it contained hibiscus flowers. That's where the red color oh, comes from. Very cool. So that was around the 1900s. And then the white came about when absinthe was illegal. And they wanted to hide it from the authorities. So they didn't do the second infusion of herbs. <laughs> oh, so it looked like vodka, awesome. but they could still have their absinthe. <laughs> um, so how should we pour this? But yeah. I've got to interrupt for a second. Yeah, yeah, Is ahead. there a proper way? There, like I've seen people like with the sugar cube and mm-hmm. then the spoon and like the water. Is there a proper way to In drink In France, absinthe? they were doing the sugar cube with the ice water drip and it was the mixology of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Czech Republic, they were setting the sugar cube on fire and dropping it in the absinthe. Um, but if you get really good absinthe, yeah, you want to dilute it down. We use ice to simply dilute it. Um, but you don't necessarily have to have sugar. Uh, just like crappy rye, they used to have, they made rock and rye. Rye, oh. crappy rye, you put a ton of sugar in there, sweeten it up, and anyone can drink it. Okay. Which that's also enjoying kind of a renaissance, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. New York Distilling Company does an awesome rock and rye. Yeah. Now, I've also seen, doesn't it get, it gets cloudy with the, with the ice water, is that right? Correct. Uh, the cloudiness comes from the anethol, which is the chemical component in... Whoa in anise um, and the the quantity of the anethol that or the quantity of the anise in your absinthe uh, the larger the quantity the more it will get cloudy and that cloudiness is called a louche um, but it's also temperature dependent cold more louche hot less you know less cloudy wait so go the, sorry since I interrupted before anyway this smells amazing by the way I'm sorry that Thank all you. of you out there that are listening to this can't be in the studio with us so the white does not have so, so w- tell me the difference how you make the white. So the white absinthe traditionally is basically the green absinthe without the second uh, infusion of herbs. What we did, which was a play on an old cocktail from back in the day, we added poppy seeds because back in the day it was popular to mix laudanum with your absinthe cocktail oh and have a laudanum not, absinthe like cocktail. That's a good idea. Sounds like a good cocktail to go to sleep <laughs> right? with, maybe. I don't know. So it was a joke at first, and we played on the flavor profile, Wait, and then everybody laudanum, loved it. Was laudanum poppy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Opiate. It was an yeah. opiate. <laughs> it's an opiate, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Mind <laughs> I know I, a lot of them, I, you know, I read a lot of mystery, mysteries, especially British mysteries, yep. oh, yeah, periodic mysteries, so lots of laudanum. And, yeah. yeah. All right, let's taste this. Enjoy. So the green absinthe, you'll get, uh, ours will be a little bit more mint forward. It won't develop a huge cloudiness because we have anise in there, but not in massive quantities oh my God, this is delicious. Um, which is what I you. like because I do not like anise <laughs> okay so Ooh, I do I, yeah I'm a, like a fennel anise I love fennel person. and anise absolutely so, yeah this is delicious the green you get that minty refreshing herbaceous grassy notes you get some bitterness from the wormwood and you obviously get the licorice from the anise the fennel the star anise and the yeah. licorice root I'm getting actually a lot of mint actually on like the tip of the tongue yeah Mint is very forward. So other than, I mean, this is delicious like this. So we, we're drinking out of a little plastic cups. They're the nice kind of clear plastic cups that don't have 
you know, the kind that you you use at homebrew competitions that don't have an aroma or a flavor, but uh, with a little piece of ice in it. Um, and it's delicious like this. But what Thank else you. do you do you like? We I mean, like do you to recommend make mixing it or absolutely. You can drink it over ice. Uh, two of our favorite ways to drink our green absinthe. Number one is with some ginger beer, Ooh. a nice mm. spicy ginger beer, a mint leaf, ice, and our green absinthe is delicious. You can use it in a Sazerac or a Corpse Reviver. There's a lot of cocktails for it. Or another way is we just do ice, seltzer, or club soda, and a squeeze of a lemon with our green absinthe. Ooh, that sounds good, too. Yeah, that one sounds really okay, good. Okay, how about... Wh- okay, I'm going to open these, but not... Yeah, Because we want to smell them. Um, let's you talk about the red. They're with- yours to keep. Okay, I'd like <laughs> to taste the red. I don't think I can have the capacity for three. Uh, <laughs> they're yeah, very so- high alcohol content. Yes. Ooh, this smells but, good, too. Uh, yeah, I love it. And it's, it does flavor. have that like slight tartness, I feel yeah. like, or at least yeah. in the aroma. Absolutely. And that comes from the hibiscus flowers can add a little tartness to it. As has the, everything from the fennel, the anise, the grand wormwood, a bunch of other herbs. Uh, and then it has whole dried lemons and whole dried hibiscus flowers. It's a little more floral, citrus, anise kind of note to it. So um, where do you get wormwood from? Wormwood, you can grow in your backyard just about anywhere. Wormwood... Uh, is like a weed almost. Um, you can purchase wormwood online. It's not illegal. You can grow it. You it's can buy it in herbal shops. I've yeah, bought it before. Very easy oh, to come across. Um, and then let's go on to your white. Uh, the white is, like I said, it has those traditional licorice anise, a little bit spicy. The poppy seeds that we've added give it a little bit of a, like a savory or a nutty vanilla pine kind of note to it. And we actually add root beer, just a good, like, Boylan's root Ooh. beer to that. And you can do a boozy root beer float as well if you want. Ooh, we learned how to forage uh, sassafras, right? Not sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla is a fake one. Sassafras. Yeah. We learned how to forage sassafras in Prospect Park, which makes good root beer. Cool. What, um, now, how much production are you doing? Uh, we are roughly five to 700 bottles a month of the 375 ml size. Okay. Uh, these little ones that you have here are just the 100 ml size. Cool. And what, uh, are you selling them, do you have a tasting room? Mostly uh, just retail or wholesale to retail accounts? We only do wholesale. Uh, technically, with our license, we could do retail, but our operation, uh, we, we don't have a, a tasting room or anything, so... You go to our website, there's a buy tab, and uh, you can find out where to purchase all the liquor stores in the state. Awesome. Do you have a favorite mixologist that you've worked that works with here? Uh, we had one, and he actually moved on. <laughs> so he, his name is Gareth Howes, and he used to work at the Vinyl in, um, in the East Village on 3rd and 13th, Cool. I believe it is. Um, super cool guy, yeah. And he did some amazing cocktails with us, though. Cool. Do you have... Do you have a, do you, do you ever do events or tastings or anything like that? Uh, every single weekend, uh, even sometimes during the holidays, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, uh, we do tasting events predominantly in the local liquor stores throughout mm-hmm. the city. Um, and we do do some, some bar restaurant and mixology bar stuff as well as far as like doing a promotional happy hour kind of thing as well. But if you follow us on Instagram... We post on a Monday where the tastings are going to be, um, and we post every event that we do do. So Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I think I've seen your stuff at Island to Island. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, where they have mostly. Danny and Kevin over there. Yes, awesome. we had them on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. They're lovely. 
Um, so actually, I want to double back a little bit about the licensing. You said sure. there was not a license that existed. Well, it's not a category. Well, it's not of a category. Its own. Category, of its own. correct. So, what kind of? How is the licensing? The licensing for us to make absinthe. All you need is a distiller's license. Oh. So there's different classes of distiller's license depending on what ingredients you're using. There's a whole slew of them. And it's the same in the beer world yeah. as well. Um, but you would have to obtain federal licensing and then licensing from the state liquor authority. So two uh, different licensing authorities. As a distiller, are you allowed to have two, to, like if hold a production and a farm license at the same time? Yeah, we, okay. we have a farm license, and we also have an A1, which is just a... Like a production... Production distillation. Cool. Uh, yeah, they're just different ingredient requirements. Hmm. The farm requires that a certain percentage of your base ingredients are all farmed in New York, essentially. Yeah, same thing as the brewers. I mean, probably a different step up process, or you know, there might be a different percentage of ingredients, but awesome. What? How, how have you found... Um, sourcing your grains in New York? Uh, we buy our grains from Rochester. Uh, Pioneer Malting is actually okay. cool. I'll give them a plug. You know, they're and cool th- guys. Yeah, they also sell to... I don't think we've used them at Fifth Hammer yet, but they also sell they to sell breweries. They sell to breweries. Yeah. They sell all over the state. They're a couple cool guys, and they and they really do a nice job. So. Awesome. And then where are you sourcing some of your herbs and, and uh, a flavoring... Lot about, I, I don't know. Flavoring agents? What do you... We, everything's are you Everything is 100% natural as far as the herbs and the coloring and the flavor goes. We do not use a single chemical or uh, food coloring or or additive or anything throughout our entire process. Awesome. From fermentation, there's no chemicals in our fermentation either. Um, We source a lot of our herbs from all over the state. Cool. And there's a couple, um, excuse me, all over the country, I should say. Uh, And there's a couple that come from different parts around the world because it's hard to get them over here. Well, yeah, not every not everything grows everywhere. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Um, you make other spirits. Am I wrong about that? You are wrong about that. Oh, no. <laughs> but you will be correct come next year, February. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we're going to come out with a new, uh, couple new products next year. Uh, but for the moment, it's just the three different styles of absinthe. Okay. Cool. And the best way to follow you is on Instagram? Yeah, the best way is on Instagram. And the Instagram handle is Doc's Spirits, like doctor, just D-O-C-S. And then spirits with an S at the end. Awesome. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, anything else? I don't oh. think so. I'm really enjoying this. I'm still on the green. I haven't. I've smelled the 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 white, but I haven't tasted it yet. I know. I'm excited about that one. The what white's going to be very interesting. I'm excited. Oh wait, hang on. Pass, pass, pass that over <laughs> before we go off air. All right. The white is the poppy one with the the fake laudanum. All right. Kind of smells like the poppy. You will have a lot of poppy note uh, on the nose. <coughs> so don't take a drug test after. Definitely. Not. Okay, great. Okay. <coughs> Swallow that the wrong way. <laughs> it <laughs> is very, very strong. <coughs> that is quite different, yeah. There's definitely poppy notes on that. Wow. That's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so anything else coming up um, for Doc Harrison's? Uh, insofar as... Um, uh, I mean, events also, you're, you're making a new spirit that you're not going to tell yeah, me yeah. about. No, the new spirit, uh, you'll find out about in February of next year. But uh, as far as events and that, like I say, just go on Instagram, follow Doc's Spirits, uh, and you'll see everything is posted there. And we invite, you know, 
people are welcome to show up to any event. Most of them are public, um, and they're within the five boroughs, predominantly Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens. Um, so That's a good question. Where do you dist- distribute? Are you uh, distributing just in the five boroughs? Just in, well, just in the state of New York. Okay. Okay. So, but you can purchase, if you're out of state, you can purchase on our website, which has a link to retailers that will then go ahead. As uh, long as it's allowed to be shipped to the okay. state that Correct. you live in. Correct. Or, yeah. 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 Cool. Is that still illegal anywhere in the <clears throat> United States? Uh, not in the U.S. <laughs> as far as I know. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so you're the first and only one in New York right now. In New the York New York City, City rather, right Correct. now. Uh, why do you think other places haven't opened up yet? Uh, there's more that are starting to pop up. Oh. There was one, and I think they got out of the business. Um, and I know there's at least two or three that are popping up upstate. I think we got in with the core group of, you know, we've been at it six years, so we got in with the core guys, the Kings <laughs> County, the New York Distilling Company, yeah. the Green Hook, the Brooklyn, you know, uh, Van Brunt, all that hard, that core group of the, you know, there was less than a dozen, maybe eight or nine distilleries that popped up in New York. And we were the only guys making absinthe and we didn't, you know, butt in on anyone. So we found that little niche and I think they've taken us in and said, you guys are the absinthe guys. <laughs> like, we're not going to mess with you. <laughs> That's fantastic. Who knows? Maybe they will one day, but <laughs> it'll be all in good fun and competition. Yeah, that's cool. I think absinthe is, I mean, it's, it enjoys its own followers. I think a lot of people, I don't people know. People are super into it. I yeah. was doing research on it. There's a whole bunch of forums for people who are just obsessed but with But it's absinthe. not as common, like if you go to any, you know, Joe Schmo bar. Yeah. It's not as common of, of a of a spirit as, Correct. as you not know, yet. vodka, for instance. Well, I think part of the reason is because everyone seems to believe, and a lot in the forums and the chats and everything like that, that absinthe, you have to have the spoon, you have to have the <laughs> absinthe fountain, you have to have all the you know accoutrements and all the extra little bits and pieces when you can really just enjoy absinthe in a glass over ice. Um, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And we really have simplified and and mellowed out our absinthe and made it for everyone who wants to try it and there's nothing special that you need to do or go and get in order to enjoy our absinthe whereas some of the absinthe forums they say you have to go get this you have to go get that (laughs) and there's so many things you're like all right, I want a glass of absinthe, but I got to go spend four hundred bucks on equipment right. to pour myself a glass of absinthe. <laughs> got to buy sugar cubes. Go buy for fourteen bucks our little bottles of mini <laughs> yes. absinthe and pour it in a glass over ice, and you're done with it. You know, and you can get like six cocktails out of that little guy there. I like either you said seltzer and a squeeze of lemon juice. Correct. Mm, yeah, that yeah. sounds delicious. Or the uh, ginger the ginger beer, beer one is yeah. awesome. Mm, yeah. Ginger beer seltzer with the green, ginger ale with the red. And root beer with the white. Do you have a particular root beer that you recommend? Uh, the Boylan root beer. Boylan. I, I, we seem to like that one. Yeah. All right. And um, the the ginger beer, the regular Reed's Jamaican ginger beer in the green bottle. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. great. Or if you're down south, what's the uh, South Ca- Blenheim? Blenheim's? Have you ever had Blenheim's? They make I don't a re- think so. I think it's South Carolina, and they do a regular and like a spicy. It's delicious. Okay. Spicy. I, somebody, there might be a soda company that brings it up here, but that's, I lived in Georgia for a cool. 12 years, so that's one of my favorite. If you get down south, that's Absolutely, worth, worth yeah. trying out. So Cool. Cool. Well, thank you so mind. much. So my again, pleasure. what was your Instagram handle? Our Instagram is Doc's Spirits. That's D-O-C-S S-P-I-R-I-T-S. And you have a uh, Twitter? 
the Twitter's also Doc Spirits. Everything's Doc Spirits, basically. That's easy. And I would recommend, if you have not explored the world of Absinthe, or even if you have, not all Absinthe is created equally, this is excellent, and I really would encourage you to try it. Uh, explore the world of Absinthe. And I have to say, these would make great holiday gifts. Yeah. <laughs> and we have our little uh, gift set. Oh. Everybody on the air won't be able to see it. I'll show you a picture real quick. We can put it on our Facebook page. Here we go. Let's see. There we go. You get a mini oh, of each. Oh, very cool. In a little box with the... Yeah, very cool. This Thank is cool because these are all very different, too. Yes. I mean, different enough that I think people, yeah, Absolutely. super cool. Well, thank you so much for being on and kind of reintroducing us to Absinthe mm-hmm. and filling us in. And best of luck. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays to you guys and to everyone out there. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. For men about it. For men about it. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.